Uh, this is Ron Stockton. I want to spend a, uh, a few minutes with you discussing my rules of good studenting. If you're going to be a regular on this uh, podcast series, you might want to uh, you might want to listen to this. Uh, it's it's good to tell you how I approach these topics, and I think you'll find it kind of interesting. Um, I have I have several classes when I was teaching uh, that were very uh, had sensitive topics: uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, religion, and politics. Amer even American politics. These are classes where students would bring in from the neighborhood, from their family, from their culture, conclusions. Basically, they began with the answers. So it was necessary as an educational pedagogical technique to help them learn to think independent of their preferences. So I developed these rules of good studenting. I developed them originally for those two classes I mentioned the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and religion and politics. But then I discovered they worked for almost any class. So I began using them routinely and the students love these rules. Uh, they would tell me that uh, without these rules, they wouldn't have been able to get through the class in the same way that they did. They tell me that they're gonna keep these rules uh, uh, with them. They're not just for classes, they're for life. I have students who've been out for several years and they send me an email and say, you know, without those rules, I wouldn't have gotten through law school or I would be less effective in my job, whatever it is. So let me tell you these rules. Um, I wish I had a uh, teleprompter so I could appear to be looking directly at you. But unfortunately, what I have is uh, a piece of paper. Do you see this piece of paper here? Uh, these are the rules. I would pass them out to the students in class and go over them. So let me tell you what those, uh, what those rules are. Um, I'll read them along and then explain to you what they, what they do. Um, two key characteristics of effective students are the ability to maintain intellectual humility and the ability to keep an open mind. So those are two principles. Intellectual humility, uh, we all have that problem, don't we? And keep an open mind. That's another one. I tell you, in this age of uh, of Twitter and and Facebook wars and whatever, uh, that's pretty hard, isn't it? Um, uh, these rules will are particularly important where the basic concepts we're using are so different from the way we usually think, and where students carry around considerable passion, cultural baggage and distracting perceptions, ooh. So people basically begin with their conclusions and they're a little bit defensive at times. You know what, are you introducing this idea? You must be some ideologue or something. No, I'm not an ideologue, I'm a teacher. I'm a professor trying to make you think. So let's go through these rules. There are six of them. There were originally five and then one of my students said, um, I said something in class and one of my students said, that should be a rule. And I said, you know, you're absolutely right. So I added it. I'll tell you what these rules are. So let me read them to you and then I'll explain to you what they, what, why they're valuable. Rule one, learn to understand, not to persuade. Keep in mind that your job as a student is to understand, not to persuade. Keep repeating to yourself, I cannot learn with my mouth open. Now, isn't that an interesting point? One of my retirees, we have a retirees program on campus. One of my retirees used that as his tagline on Facebook. Uh, you cannot learn with your mouth open. 
Um, rule two, until you can defend, you cannot critique. Oh, wait a minute. We're trained to critique, aren't we? We argue, that's what our culture tells us, argue with people. No, no, before you can argue seriously, you've got to understand what you're, what, what you're arguing about. Keep in mind that your task as a student is to study arguments and models until you can explain them to others and answer questions or criticisms of them. Until you can summarize an argument to the satisfaction of the person who made that argument, you do not understand the argument well enough to know if you agree or disagree. Always assume a writer is a brilliant person who has insights that you can only grasp if you think about them for a long time. This indeed is true. Now, okay, suppose we're, we're reading the Communist Manifesto. Students, you know, the Cold War has been over for, for a long time and but students still come in with those, uh, those things they learn during the Cold War. And they say, this is what Marx believes. This is what Marx believes. And I have to say to them, okay, where is that in the text? Uh, well, I don't know. I, 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 I'm sure I saw it. No, you didn't. You just made that up. Okay. What you have to do is be able to summarize, as Mark, summarize Marx's argument. So if he was sitting there listening, he would say, yes, you've done a good job. Until you can do that, you don't know enough to know if you agree or disagree. Isn't that a disturbing thought? Indeed it is. Rule number three, assume you do not understand. Keep repeating to yourself, everything I thought I knew about this subject before I began this semester is flawed and incomplete, and I have to start from scratch. Now, that's intellectual humility. If you can't begin with the assumption that you don't understand, not just facts, you can add facts and think that's education. No, it's not. So 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Okay. That's, that's a fact, but that doesn't help you understand anything really. Until you can, until you can reassess and learn things which are totally new, new ways of thinking, you haven't learned anything. And sometimes I will, uh, when we're having a class discussion, someone will obviously be repeating something that they picked up somewhere. I'll say, okay, is that view different from the view that you had before you read this assignment? Usually they say, uh, no, no. Uh, I'm not putting them down. I'm just trying to help them think through their own educational process. This is called meta-learning, by the way, to, to learn about how you learn, to think through how you learn. Rule four, don't disagree, it deteriorates into argumentation. If you just think your goal is to argue with people, come on, that's a waste of time. That's not education. And you're basically recycling what's in your head already. You haven't had any new thoughts. We see this all the time on Twitter, Facebook. You've got these keyboard warriors, right, who are mobilizing the best possible argument for their position, but they're not really thinking, are they? Anytime you find yourself disagreeing with a writer or thinking the writer has overlooked some important counter argument, say to yourself 10 times, there I go again. Uh, I'll, I'll borrow that, by the way, from Ronald Reagan, who uh, in a presidential debate said to his opponent, there you go again, making that same point over and over again. 
Rule five. Okay, now here's the one that I added late. This wasn't in the original. Originally I had five, now I've got six. Rule five, if you were there, you would be there. In a political conflict, unless you can see yourself taking every single position, if you were in that situation, even those positions you find offensive, you have not been thinking deeply enough. Whoa. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Okay, you've got to you've got to see that that if Salman Rushdie's professor, you know Salman Rushdie's that great writer, his professor told him that until you can, when you're studying history, until you can think of a single individual caught up in these events and see these events from that person's point of view, then you don't really understand history. Okay, I would say the same about political conflicts. Okay, let's think about this. When I taught the class on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I would say, all right, at a certain point, we're going to look at the uh, at the uh, the Al-Aqsa Intifada. Al-Aqsa means Jerusalem, and Intifada means uprising. So there was an uprising. It started in 2000, 2001, went on for about three years. There were suicide bombings during that, and a lot of Palestinians got killed. Uh, by the Israeli army. So I said, okay, imagine this. A, a, a Palestinian straps a bomb on himself and goes into a discotheque and blows himself up and kills a lot of people. And you're horrified and you say, I would never do that. Okay, you know what? You can't be certain you would never do that. You have to assume that maybe you would do that. Are you certain that if you had lived through what that person lived through, if you had maybe seen your cousin tortured by the Israelis, or you had seen your brother shot by the Israelis, or you had seen your grandmother knocked down and kicked by an Israeli settler on the West Bank. Are you sure you wouldn't say, okay, i am had enough of this. I'm going to deal with this in my own way. Are you sure you wouldn't do that? Be careful. And when you see an Israeli soldier who shoots to death a 13-year-old boy who was shouting bad words at him and throwing rocks, and you say, well, you're not supposed to kill, and he was maybe 50 yards away. You say, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to kill young people like that, even if they're nasty. I would never do that. Are you sure you wouldn't? If your, if your best friend in your unit had been killed yesterday by someone, are you sure you wouldn't go out seeking revenge? If your cousin who lives on the West Bank had had a rock thrown at her and been blinded, are you sure you wouldn't do that? I don't think you can be certain. You know, each of us has inside of ourselves a Mother Teresa and an Adolf Hitler. I'm sorry to tell you that. And even if you live like Mother Teresa and you've spent your whole life, you've never spoken one word in anger. You've never used a swear word. You've been perfect and wonderful. You know what? Hitler's lurking there. We can't ever be certain that we will not take the dark road, turn to the dark side. Isn't that the line from Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars, sorry. Then uh, rule six, beware of the unforgivable sin of no new learning. Okay, I borrowed, uh, I borrowed that term, unforgivable sin from Christian teaching you know, there's a passage in which it says the unforgivable sin is to lose faith 
in God's uh, mercy or whatever. So I say the unforgivable sin in education is that you haven't learned anything. You've, you've got your degree, you've got your grade, maybe you passed, maybe you got an A, but you didn't learn anything. That's not education. That's just accumulating credits. Before you allow a thought to bubble to the surface as a comment, always ask yourself how the thought is different from what you would have said before the semester began or before you read the assigned readings. If there is no difference, then you are guilty of the sin of no new learning. Wow, that's a heavy burden. These, uh, these uh, lessons all put a heavy burden on students, but you know what? They love these. Whenever I would have students write an essay, I would say, okay, give me a, um, give me, after you've written your essay, which is analytical, I don't, I would often tell students, okay, I want you to analyze uh, Osama bin Laden's declaration of war on the United States. And I would say to them, you know, we will go, we'll go through it, we'll discuss it. And I say, okay, I want you to write a paper on this. And I, and I tell them, you know, you're not going to like this. You don't, you, you don't have to like it. I don't like it, but you, you, it's not my job to tell you what I like and don't like, and it's not your job to simply say, I hate this. Okay, so you hate it, big deal. You don't get credit for that. And uh, so after each essay, I would have students write a paragraph. I would say, okay, have a reaction paragraph. Tell me, what did you think about this assignment and, uh, and this reading that we had? And students can say whatever they want. That's not graded. It's just to uh, give them a chance to, to say something, you know. I've told them, I've given them a hard job. Don't tell me what you think about this. That's a hard job. And then I say, okay, now you're allowed to tell me what you think about this. And over and over they say, you know, th this was a really good assignment because I had to analyze without letting my own personal feelings get in the way. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without the rules of good studenting. So I'm giving those to you as a gift, and uh, I think you'll like them, and I think that uh, they will be beneficial to you. So uh, uh, let's see, how long have we been going on here? I don't know, not very long, and it's uh, worth, uh, and uh, aren't you glad you listened? Okay, bye-bye.